Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, great to be worshiping with you, and uh, excited to be diving in today to this topic. And uh, we are in a series called Laying Hold, Laying Hold, and we're talking all about what it means to be, have a prayer life where we're beginning to lay hold of all that God is, all that he's about, and all that we need to be about. And so we're not laying hold of God's reluctance, we're laying hold of God's willingness, and uh, so important how often we start to feel like, I don't even know if God cares about this. And is there really any value in prayer if, or, or maybe we even start saying words like, prayer doesn't work. And we start saying words like that because we're going down a path where we're beginning to practice what God has asked us to not be about. And in fact, what we're trying to be, out, be about or what we're trying to look for uh, just isn't happening. That doesn't mean prayer doesn't work. That means our idea of prayer is not working, right? And so it's so important that we have a theology of prayer that is very biblically driven. And so we've been walking through what does it look like to have this prayer-centered life and all the different facets of its affecting us from our weaknesses to uh, the role of the Holy Spirit and partnering together. And as we walk through each of these pieces, the power of God's word and, man, the practicality of digging in to laying hold of prayer. And today we're going to talk about one facet specifically. We're going to talk about fasting laying hold of fasting. And uh, for those of you who've read any parts of the scripture on a regular basis, you'll run into this phrase, and they were in prayer and fasting. They prayed and fasted. Those two seem to go together a lot, prayer and fasting. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what fasting is and about what fasting isn't, all right? So I just want to tell you, heads up, um, I changed my mind on Wednesday as to which passage we're going to do this week. As I was just wrestling through some things and praying through some things, I just felt like maybe there was some things we needed to go through that were a bigger, deeper dig into fasting specifically, all right? And so we've switched passages, so if you've got the bulletin, get ready. You're going to be scratching out just a couple of words, all right? We uh, order these ahead of time, and they come in printed up, and we debated on Thursday, do we just scrap it and reprint? And I'm like, oh, they can scratch out a couple words. It'll be fine, right? Y'all are fine with that, right? All right, so here we go. We're going to scratch out a couple of words. It's coming from Isaiah 58, starting in verses 1 through 12. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12. We're going to get back to the passage that was at hand today. We're going to preach that in a couple weeks, so don't worry, we'll get it covered. But Isaiah 58, 1 through 12, I really wanted to make sure we go through this as it speaks about what fasting isn't and then what fasting is, okay? So Isaiah 58 can hear the pages turning, so I'll give you a chance to get there. It's all good. So we go to this Old Testament prophet, and so here's a little bit of the challenge. As we talk about fasting, uh, a couple of things we need to note. Point number one. So a little bit of words to write down here. Ready? True fasting is not ritual with penance. You'll see it up here. True fasting is not ritual with penance. It is relationship with repentance. So I'm going to hang on while you write that two sentences down. True fasting is not ritual with penance. It is relationship with repentance. Still have a few people writing, so I'm going to be really patient. 
Normally we give you like one blank to fill in. You're like, whoa, this is a lot of words to write down, right? And uh, true fasting is not ritual with penance. It is relationship with repentance. So let's do a little word definition here. Ritual. Uh, this is just actions we go through kind of rotely. We just sort of exercise these things either daily or weekly or monthly. It's just something we tend to go through. An action we tend to go through. In fact, we often imply by saying it's just a ritual that it's even without heart, right? So a ritual is kind of an action without heart that I regularly do or go through. Just make sure you've got that grasped. That's a ritual. All right, penance. Well, this is an act we do to try to pay for a sin, right? I've done something wrong, and I'm like, God, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I was over here and I lied. Um, I'm going to go over and mow my dad's lawn three times for you, right? It's when I try to do something nice in some way to try to cover up the sin that I already did. Everybody say that doesn't work. The only thing that covers sin is the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said... Man, do not toy with penance. I am telling you, there are churches out there that want to make much of penance. And hear me, that is making little of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We must grasp that. Shed blood of Christ alone covers. I will not cover it by some good action. All right? And so ritual, some action without heart. Penance, an act trying to pay for sin. It's not that. Okay? But it is relationship with repentance. So relationship, wanting to know him and worship him. That's relationship. Wanting to know more about God, more of him personally, and worship him. Wanting to know him and worship him. That's relationship. And then repentance. This is a confession and a turning confession and a turning from sin. It is not repentance to say, all right, it was wrong, okay? I'm going to do it again, but it was wrong. That, at best, is an admission, but it's not even a confession. Confession actually comes from a word in the original Greek that means I'm saying the same thing you are about that. I'm confessing it. I see it like you see it, God. And so then repentance, so I'm done with it and I'm turning from it, has to be in it. It's an admission of it's wrong. It's a confession that I'm in the wrong spot, but it's a turning from that sin as well. Lord, please help me as I get away from that. And uh, see, penance all too often is, yeah, I know I did it. I know it's wrong. I'm not going to change it, but here's some payoff for it. Does that work? And the answer to does that work is, no, that does not work. Man, it is Jesus Christ and his shed blood alone that covers. May we lean on him and trust in him. So we're going after relationship with repentance in the midst of fasting. Everybody getting that? Relationship and repentance in the midst of fasting. So let's dive into this passage now, and we're going to see a little bit of what fasting is not. Everybody say not. Here we go. He says, cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. This is God saying to either a prophet or some kind of herald, stand up in the town and make it clear what's wrong. Bring it. Share the sin that's going on. God's like, do me a favor. 
let Israel know they're in sin right now. And, uh, and then he has a very peculiar sentence. Yet they seek me daily, and they delight to know my ways. Hang on, I thought they were sinning. What's with this? They seek me daily, they delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness. Everybody may want to circle or write in your notes, as if. As if. See, that's not really where they were, but they were trying to make it look like that's where they were. And uh, as if, and uh, if you grew up in the late 80s or the 90s, you remember that phrase, <laughs> as if, and uh, like, no, that's not what it really is, but that's what you're trying to make it look like. And uh, it says, and they did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Their words are, man, do I want to know him. Boy, do I want to draw near to him. I long to know my God better. That's what their words were. But God's saying, as if. Like, that's not what it really is. We have a problem going on. And how often do we end up putting on our lips a statement of our desire, but in fact, the way we're living it out couldn't be anything further from that. I long to know my God and I long to live for him. I long to worship him. I long to be in righteous obedience to him. All right, now back to my old ways. And we just keep going back and forth and making it all about me. God says, here's what you're going to hear him say. Why? Because that's what every complainer starts with, right? We hear it from the time our kids get to be about three years old. It just starts from then on, and it gets more and more excellent in its questioning format, right? But it's always the same. Why? Why does it have to? Why? Why not this way? Why? What we're really saying is that's not what I want, right? And he says here, why, they're going to quote, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? God, we're saying we want to know you. We're fasting like crazy. We long to hear from you and you are not responding. Why? All right. Hey, just a little newsflash. When you're in that moment where you're like, all right, God, one of us is wrong. It's either you or it's me. Uh, we kind of know what the answer is, right? And uh, somehow, Lord, make clear to me where I'm wrong would be a much better start to that beginning conversation rather than saying, Lord, uh, one of us is wrong, and I'm pretty sure it's you. And uh, that usually doesn't go very well for us as we refuse and can't see and can't trust, and all of a sudden, our faith starts wobbling, and we're not feeling like God is seeing us or hearing us or knowing us or understanding us, and we start crying out, why? And God has an answer to them. He says, behold, which means, hey, I have some insight for you that you're not going to believe. You think you're coming after me and pursuing me. You think you're longing to draw near to me, but check this out. In the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. You're looking to get things for you, and you oppress all your workers. 
And uh, he's like, hey, just so we're clear here, you're fasting, but you're just wanting for you. It's one big giant. You're asking a mist that you might consume it on your own lusts. James chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, James 4 is actually a really solid mirroring of this passage, by the way, as it talks about prayer and not getting and the wrong attitude in it. And it's amazing to watch James 4 roll out here. And uh, clearly he had some of this in mind as he was walking it through. And it says, you, uh, you fast, but you're seeking your own pleasure. You oppress all your workers. Like, you're saying you want to follow me, but you're mean, man. You're not even a nice person. You, in the workplace, is like, this is going to be all about me. And you're not trying to do what's best for someone else. And you're not trying to think about what's best for the overall organization or the overall, for the church here, the ministry. You're not trying to do what's best for glorifying God. You just want what you want for you in your selfish ways. And so you press in hard and people are hurt and reeling because you're just demanding and selfish. And uh, man, I'm telling you, fasting and seeking your own pleasure, pushing people around to control them and not caring about what's best for them. Everybody say that's a bad plan. That is not fasting, okay? And uh, he goes on here, he makes it even more clear. He says, behold, which means, check this out. You fast only to quarrel and to fight. They're literally like, okay, God, I'm over here and I'm on my knees and I haven't eaten for a day and a half. Lord, please give me what I need to show Bill how wrong he is. Right? That's, that's where they're at, man. They're like, I'm going to fight on this one. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. I'm going to go get God to give me my way and then we'll see who's right, mister. And uh, there's a bit of quarreling and fighting going on amongst each other horizontally, and they're actually even quarreling and fighting with God himself. So they're like, God, why aren't you giving me this? I should get it. And um, it says, and you hit with a wicked fist. Man, things aren't going well that day, are they? Right? I mean, there's somehow out there. Now, this very well may be a metaphor where they're just being mean and harsh and, uh, or it could be they're actually getting a bit violent. At some level, they are not living out with character what God is all about. You say you know the one who is love. But the thing you're doing and going after couldn't be further from it. Get to know him who is love. Right? And a true fasting, man, it is not about some selfish self-aggrandizing, forceful, controlling, manipulative approach to life. He says, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Bam. Let that verse settle. Fasting like yours this day will not Make your voice be heard on high. Your heart could not be further from me. And you're trying to bring a ritual. And that's it. And uh, That doesn't get it done. That is probably one of the most strong sentences on fasting I think I've ever read. 
And if you really want to dig into, Lord, what does fasting look like, make sure you grasp these first five verses and the depth of what needs to come along with fasting, all right? The character of life that comes with it. And uh, notice he says now, um, fasting like yours will not be heard. Is such that fast that I choose? And the answer to that is, the answer to that is no, right? God's like, do I choose this fast? The answer is, it's like, I don't want that. That's not where I want you to be. That's not even close to what I want for you. A day for a person to humble himself? He's like, all you're doing is using fasting to beat yourself up. In fact, he goes one step further. Is it to bow down his head like a reed? Like picture a heavy wind blowing and pushing something down. How often people actually start to use fasting for all the wrong reasons. And they begin to step into a fast like, okay, okay, okay. I know I've been in so much sin here. It's been wrong. I get it. I get it. For the next two days, no Twinkies. That's what I'm giving up right now. I'm going no Twinkies. And then you try to see how that works, right? And you get through a couple more weeks and it's still not working. And you're like, this is going nowhere. And it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I'm not going to eat for three straight days. Nothing. And, and, and my whole time, I'm simply saying this, God, I'm horrible. And um, everybody say, that's not a biblical fast. That's not what we're called to do. It's like it's not to beat you down like a reed that is knocked down and bowing its head. It's not about that. It's not self-abasing and self-abuse to try to make good with God. See, we're still trying to own the problem ourselves. there. And, uh, he says, we're to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. And uh, I'm like, hang on, I thought sackcloth and ashes was a thing they did in the Old Testament. He's like, yeah, just so you know, though, you're missing it. You're beginning to turn this into a, all right, all right, I know I was wrong. I'll do this thing where I try to woefully, uh, sorrowfully um, pay a price back myself. So I'll sit and grind my knees into the turf on this sackcloth and ashes. I'll make myself look horrible. And, and, uh, and I'm trying to just pay. That is what penance is. I'm just trying to make good for what I did wrong. There's no such thing. The moment it's done wrong, it's wrong. And there is no paying back. There's no teeter-totter to balance out. How often do we try to live life where we're like, all right, all right, I'm going to try to do this. How about this good thing in place of that bad thing? And it doesn't get it done. Fasting. It's not us trying to fix our sin problem by ourselves. And all of God's people said, it just isn't. It says, will you call this a fast? And I hope you're hearing the tone of voice that God is using. Will you call this a fast? And a day acceptable to the Lord? That is not a fast. We're going to talk about what fasting is in just a few minutes here, all right? But it's great that we understand what it isn't. All too often, the fast has become a self-abusing, self-abasing, self-paying for sin attempt before a, a living God. And we're like, how's that? Am I better now? And, and that's all we've got going. It's a, it's a bad relationship with him, man. And uh, so here's the deal. Um, 
My wife and I are settling into empty nester life now. And uh, it's been a handful of weeks. Our youngest daughter went to college uh, here in January, in early January. And so we're coming up on almost two months of empty nester life. And uh, we're learning to live and walk well in empty nester life. I'm just going to tell you this. I didn't plan to say this, so I probably regret it, and I'll change it for the 11 o'clock. But here we go. <laughs> Number one question I get asked being an empty nester. So do you walk around in your underwear at home a lot more? <laughs> Thanks for caring about us so much. And uh, I'm not even answering that question. Let's move on. All right. That is the number. No kidding, man. That is the number one question. All right. What are you doing at your houses? <laughs> I'm telling you, I did not have this planned. All right. So we're settling into empty nester syndrome. And we're getting used to it. And so I thought, hey, here's a few new ideas that we could go after in our relationship. And I'm just going to give you a little tip, all right? Here's a little tip. Your answer back to me when I give you the idea, your answer back is, uh, that is a bad relationship, all right? And so your answer back is what? All right, here's what I'm going to try to do in empty nester life for us to try to fix things. Uh, I'm going to come to her and be like, okay, baby, here we go. How about this? Uh, I'll buy you another dog if you'll let me go get a new truck. How about that? And uh, everybody says? Some of you are like, I don't know. A dog's nice. Get a truck. So bad with that. And, and uh, just so you know, that's called bartering, right? And uh, we haven't even talked out financials and what makes sense. Man, our truck is in great shape. We're not in need of a new truck. Our dog is fine. We have one great dog. We don't need another dog. <laughs> Enough said. Yes. Uh, so, or, or maybe I'll come and say this to her. All right, look, I'm sorry for what I did and said yesterday. I know that hurt you. Um, I'm not going to change that. I'm going to keep saying that. But if you want, I'll vacuum for two months straight. <laughs> right? Penance. And uh, everybody says... Dude, that is a bad relationship. If it hurts you, I'm sorry about that. That needs to change. Please forgive me. I'm done with that. I'm not trying to pay back to get it even somehow with my good works. I recognize it was wrong and it's done. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm turning from that, right? And uh, so not bartering and uh, not penance. Or uh, here's another one. Again and again and again. I do this wrong to you. I'm so sorry. I'm horrible. I'm just, you shouldn't even be with me. I'm a terrible person. You, you should just, why are you patient with me at all? And, right, and all of a sudden, self-loathing pouring out all over the place, right? And everybody says, dude, be careful. And, uh, is God fully aware that you and I have sin? Answer? Please, yes, right? Our job is not to come and convince him we don't. Our job is coming in, not bartering, not with penance, not with some kind of self-loathing, but it's a getting on our knees before our loving, awesome God and saying, Lord, I have sinned before you and it is a train wreck. I'm done with that. I long to know you. I long to love you. And I cannot wait 
for you to have your way with me. You, Lord, paying for my sin. You, Lord, covering. And you, Lord, healing. That's why I'm coming to you in fasting. And all of God's people said, dude, that's a fast and a power fast. That is huge. As we grasp our sin and we come before our God. So here's a simple challenge. Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to fast? No bartering, no penance, no self-loathing. You're going to go after relationship with full-out repentance, and you long for God to move. Are you willing? That's all I'm asking right now. Just answer the question right where you are privately. Am I willing? Am I willing to be in on seeing God do a work where I'm not trying to take control, I'm letting him have his way with me? Am I willing? Okay. Point number two. True fasting involves a loving, willing heart longing for God's intervention. True fasting involves a loving, willing heart longing for God's intervention. Say it again. I know it's a long sentence here. True fasting involves a loving, willing heart longing for God's intervention. Okay. So here we go, starting in verse 6. Is not this the fast that I choose? Okay, our ears should perk up. God's like, that is not the fast that I choose. Now, here is the fast that I choose. Get ready. This is what God's going after. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, the purpose and the power of fasting, to see bonds broken. Does God ask us to come to him perfect? No, man. The entire purpose of fasting is like, I long to see fasting where you come to me and sin bonds are broken. In other words, you're coming with sin. You're coming with your sin. And you're watching God do an amazing healing work. The joy and the power of healing transformation is this. We do not own the problem. God does. We're coming to him and we're handing it to him. Lord, please forgive me. I'm done with it. You do your work. We come to see him loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke. Uh, literally there, picture an ox with the yoke attached and behind him is this big plow and this ox is pulling through and the plow is cutting deep into the turf, and the weight is heavy, and the yoke is yanking back on while he's plowing forward with. And he's like, then imagine the feeling of coming over and taking that yoke off. And the ox takes one step forward. Can you imagine that feeling now of that heavy weight gone? God's like, that's a fast. You come to me with the weight of sin dragging you down, and I will disconnect that yoke and watch miracle happen as God does an amazing work in your life. 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the, the, the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. To let the oppressed go what? Free, free man. Fasting brings freedom. If fasting brings prison, we're doing it wrong. If fasting is beating myself up, we're doing it wrong. Fasting brings freedom, a breaking out, a breaking away, sin done, victory had. Is it not? Get ready now. He's turning to, if it's affecting your heart, then what will it do with your actions around you? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? In other words, he goes through the three basic needs, food, shelter, clothing. He's like, isn't it that you're getting a heart for your God and a love for others as you let that spill to the streets? Then you start providing bread where it's needed. You start providing a home for someone to stay in or getting that care for them so that they're not homeless. You're bringing food, shelter, and clothing to them. And you're caring for them in the midst of their journey of pain. A true fasting will make you deeply aware of the pain and the hurt around you. And there will be a very practical love that starts to take place in your life for those around you. He says, and, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. What's he talking about here? He's like, hey, in Israel, you're looking around at all these other people that are struggling. They're Israelites as well, man. This is family in some way, shape, or form. This is your blood, your own flesh. Care for them. And so now we come forward into the church today, and it's like, hey, look around you. These are your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Long to hurt with them, long to care for them, long to protect them, long to run beside each other for each other. This is family, man. Let's care for each other. That's what he's saying. Let's make sure that we grasp the sharing of family together. It says, then shall your light break forth the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Then shall your light break forth the dawn. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been out hunting early in the morning. You get out there before dawn and you're sitting there in the dark. You can barely see in front of you. You can barely make out some of the shadows of trees and where uh, the deer may come through at or whatever it might be. And you're sitting there waiting and as the sun just starts to crest and it cracks the dawn and the sky lights up and everything starts to get brighter and you start seeing things the way they actually are, right? He's like, you can be that in your community. As God is working in you, his light shining through you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and you like a jar of clay, fragile and weak, but the power of God Almighty shining through you. And people are like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Look at who God is as the light of dawn cracks the day. He says here, uh, this is a huge privilege of being a part of it, and the healing shall spring up speedily. Please note, when God is at work, speed is a part of it, right? And... Uh, God may choose to be working on other parts of us. And so we're like, God, why aren't you breaking this free for me? And he's like, hang on, I'm breaking you free in another area. 
right? And so make sure you get the memo from God as to where he's working, man. Listen well. Have some discernment. God, what do you see in me that needs to change? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What yoke are you breaking free? Because when God works, he works speedily. And all too often, we start manipulating and controlling and making it about self, and I've got this, and I'll show this off, and I'm not going to let God work, and why didn't he do it over here? And, and the whole thing starts imploding as we've taken control. Everybody just say, that's a bad plan. Man, and that fast won't get it done. He says, um, your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I love that. Like as you're getting healing, your righteousness literally starts to be the front end of the processional of this coronation march. And the front end of the processional is this righteousness now pouring out of you. You came with your sin, but the march is this righteousness coming out. God's doing a work in you, and your rear guard is God's very glory and righteousness. Praise be to God. We are shored up and protected by the Almighty King. And all of God's people said... Man, hear me on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that the Holy Spirit transforms us from one degree of glory to the next. It is his work, not ours. We come with the fast longing for God to break free of whatever we've been holding on to. He breaks that yoke free. And the sin you've been experiencing is done. Speedily done. And you begin a joy dance parade of like, this is awesome. I've seen victory. And this is stunning what God is doing. I'm telling you, seeing life change will rock your world. Do not go for the lame, silly, I'll pay for it myself. It doesn't work and it leaves us filthy sick with ourselves for life. Long for God to do his healing work that only he can do. And for you to have this dance of joy, this parade with God's glory being your rear guard. And all of God's people said, and how real are you on your sin? How ready are you to see that broken and Christ glorified? It is time. It is time to be done being satisfied with less than what God has for you. It is time. I am ready, Lord, to taste what you're talking about. I have no clue. Open me up. Change me. He says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Have you ever had a moment in your prayer life where it went from, Lord, I'm saying things and I wish they were true, but it's just not working. And all of a sudden, thunderously into your soul, you are assured, here I am. I am with you and we're going to do a work. Let's do this thing for my glory, for your joy. We are going to bring this victory through. It is time. It is time for us to taste of what God has in store, not what our lame little minds could envision. It is time for God to get all the glory. He says, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness. That's a bad fast. If you get rid of the bad fast, 
where you're making it all about you and you're trying to carry the heavy and you're speaking poorly of others and you're attacking out and it's all self-absorbed. Get done with that trip. And then it says, and if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Let God speak to your soul as you come to him with this one simple phrase, I don't have it. You do. I'm trusting you, God. I'm done fighting. Let him break the bonds of sin, maybe like never before, as you hand this over to him and watch God do a healing work. The hope. It says here, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Man, check that promise. And the Lord will guide you continually. We're told the Holy Spirit, he is here to guide us into all truth and he takes up residence in those who trust in Jesus Christ. He indwells. We have the Holy Spirit with us and he will guide you into all truth continually. He will satisfy the desire in scorched places. In other words, you might be like, this hurts. And yet there's a strange, awkward satisfaction as God is doing a work in me. This world is broken. This circumstance is terrible. This pain is almost unbearable, but with my God. It's strange to say, but it's like satisfying the healing he's doing in me. I'm telling you, God uses pain as a crucible to walk us through to life change. And all of God's people said... Right? And we'd love it if he found a way to use comforts to walk us through to life change, and it actually worked. The reality is comfort makes us more self-absorbed. And God does walk us through this broken world, and his power pouring on, and his life change into your soul, and a healing that takes place, and a yoke that is broken that you cannot do yourself. Period. says, and make your bones strong, like the metaphor of broken bones getting uh, healed. You shall be like a watered garden. Picture the bright greens and the colors, and especially now with the temps we're getting, right? And the, the flowers breaking out and the rich, uh, healthy life of a watered garden. You shall be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Whose waters like an endless spring pouring out freshness of cool water. Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You'll be like that broken down city that is put back together and the glory of God poured out through you. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. I love this statement now. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets. The repairer and the restorer of your soul working in you so that you can have the message and the testimony that God is alive. I celebrate him. He is working in my life and the victory that I experience right now, I have never tasted anything like it before. And I long for one more day of that, for one more victory of one more sin set down. Less of me, more of him. May God get all the glory. Man, may he be lifted up. 
He is perfect. He is love. He is truth. He is hope. He is healing. He brings the power. And we do not. Amen? Amen. Hear me, man. Do not bring a weak, pathetic, me-only fast to the table. It doesn't get it done. It is time to make much of our king. A fast that's all about relationship with a willing and longing heart. And uh, so let's just say this at the end here. Page 143 of the book, Victorious Praying, power quote for, it says, voluntary denial of a normal function for intense spiritual activity. That's a fast. Voluntary denial of a normal function for intense spiritual activity. That's a fast. That's page 143 in the book that we're walking through in our small groups. And the Lord help me to set aside for a little bit a normal function that I might worship you in spiritual intensity, longing for you to do a work. Right? I don't really know how to do a fast, Tim. All right. Let's just close it with a real practical. Five steps. Five steps to fasting. Number one. Prepare your heart and your body. Before you start fasting, prepare. Prepare your heart. Like, Lord, I'm just wanting to get some sin confessed here. I want to get real what I need to get after. Just prepare. Lord, what do I need to even be thinking about? What needs to be broken in me? Lord, what needs to be changed? Lord, what should I be praying for? And then your body as well. Um, If all you're eating is junk food and then you go into a fast, it could be a rough moment or two as you're experiencing the lack of food. And so be careful, all right? Just a little bit of adjusting what you're eating, getting into a little healthier moment so your body's ready to rock, all right? And so prepare. Be a little bit wise, just a day or two there of preparing to make sure you're ready to go. Number two, choose your purpose. Choose your purpose. Is it a personal walk? Is it maybe for a family member? Lord, I'm longing for them. I'm longing for them to see a breakthrough. I'm longing for us to have direction and clarity Um, Lord, should we take this job? Lord, should there be a move? Uh, Whatever it might be, Lord, give us wisdom and guidance. uh, Or maybe it's church strength, or maybe it's um, just a witnessing. Lord, who should I be sharing with? But most often, a personal walk and a breakthrough of sin. Lord, help me to put this before you. Choosing your purpose. Number three, choose your plan. Well, I saw that Jesus fasted for 40 days, so I'm going to start there. Y'all get that's a bad plan, right? And uh, so the right way to talk about Jesus' fast for 40 days is that was a divine fast that involves something supernatural going on. Please don't do that. That is not advi- Everybody say, that is not correct. Do not go after that. We're not advising that, all right? Super careful along the way. Be wise to the physical as you go after the spiritual and and so here's one that's pretty easy, actually, just kind of a 24-hour fast. You're actually only skipping two meals. So you have dinner on one night, and that's kind of the last moment. You'll skip breakfast and lunch. You'll break the fast on dinner the next night, right? That's a very easy fast. You're breaking breakfast and lunch only, and, and it's just that one day. It's a 24-hour fast. That's a nice, easy one. There's a variety and means of going after. So now it's like, what am I fasting from? And... Uh, Make sure that at your fast, I mean, most typically we talk about a fast as being something from like food, like avoiding the meals, right? And, and just hanging on during those moments and instead replacing that with prayer time. And uh, so 
Choose your plan. You're going to be probably skipping a couple of meals. 24-hour one's a nice one. If you want to start with a 12-hour one, then maybe you just do that, and you're just doing half a day, and you're praying in place of a meal, okay? And you're, you're making sure that that time that I would have been feeding my body, I am now instead feeding my soul, okay? Instead of feeding the body, I'm feeding the soul. And then there's all kinds of fasts. You might be able to fast where you're like, I'm going to give up, whatever, and you choose something that you tend to uh, use as sort of a favorite moment and you're going to give those up for a little while and go after that for a season and just taking a time where you're making much of your God instead of that. Uh, the easiest one is skipping the two meals, making it a 24-hour fast. Uh, number four, drink juices or waters as needed. Please do not go without any liquids at all. That is a really, really bad plan, all right? And if it's the first time you've ever fasted, you may want to try apple juice. That works real well to keep your sugar levels up to keep you doing well at work and staying healthy. And uh, just be wise to it, okay? Be careful as you ease in and you're like, Lord, I just want to set this aside for you. This isn't about beating my body up. It's not about that. This is about making sure that you have your way in me and Lord, I'm here just humbly wanting to hear from you and uh, handing it to him. So you're preparing your heart and body. You're choosing your purpose. You're choosing your plan. Then you're drinking some juices and waters as needed, making sense out of that. And number five, um, you end it again with prayer and hope. The whole thing closes out before you break the fast with one last, God, this is all about you. I would strongly recommend that when you go into a time of fasting and prayer that you're reading scripture back to your God. Get some passages that you're going after that can be a great time of time with him, all right? It's easy for your mind to drift. It's easy for it to wander. Let's get it back centered on him. And all of God's people said... That's the practicality of a fast and the purpose of a fast. The fast, it is not, everybody say not. It is not me beating myself up trying to get God to just be good with my sin. It is not. It is, Lord, I long to know you and relate to you and come to you and I long for you to do your work. May you build me afresh and anew. May you restore in me like I cannot do. And all of God's people said, that's what we're going after. Let's go to prayer here.